0: Coming up on today's episode, one down, three to go. We break down how the Jets opened up their series in Vegas with the resounding Game 1 victory.
1: Hello, everybody. Recording
0: live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki, or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, late night, early morning, but it's all good after a playoff victory. And that's exactly what your Winnipeg Jets got done. Taking down the Golden Knights in the Fortress. I didn't even know it was called the Fortress. Uh, But they stormed the castle, the Winnipeg Jets, and it's been a road warrior postseason through the first couple days of NHL playoff action, and that suits the Winnipeg Jets just fine for now. What a performance against the top-seeded Golden Knights, and uh, all of a sudden, things are getting pretty interesting, pretty spicy here. We'll see if we can um, go full unbridled optimism for the Jets' chances through the rest of this series? Or do we maybe just pump the brakes a little bit? There's a lot of games left to go here. Well, either way, we'll break it all down for you guys. Um, thanks for tuning in once again. Joining me to break down game one of the postseason, like he has for all 82 of the regular
1: season, CJOB's Tyson Rewiki. Tyson, how we doing? Doing good, doing good. It's, uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year right now. So, having a lot of fun watching these playoff games, and hey, the Leafs lost too. It <laughs> doesn't get much better than tonight. This is literally... This, I don't think you can script
0: a better April midweek in Winnipeg. The Jets pump the Golden Knights, the Leafs get humiliated on home ice, and there's no more snow on the ground. This is like... This This is utopia for Manitoba here. I, I, w- I wouldn't jinx it, though, Brad, uh, with that snow...
1: She might be in for a rude awakening tomorrow morning. No, no, no.
0: That's yeah. No, if it it snows, I'm just leaving. So it's not a big (laughs) deal. Like that'll be the final straw. (laughs) But no, no, we're not. No, don't bring those negative vibes here. It's just it's all positivity right now. And uh, yeah, the reason for that is because let's call it like we see it. Um, Earmuffs for those uh, young ones that are listening. But the Winnipeg Jets just kicked the Vegas Golden Knights ass up and down the rink. For 95% of that game, I would say. That is, and especially when you see the shot clock number for the Golden Knights um, stay well below 20, that's about as ideal of an effort as you could have hoped for specifically from this club. Where you know that they're going to get their chances offensively, and they certainly did in this game. But we know what the Achilles heel has been in Winnipeg for a long, long time. And that was not a major issue throughout this game, limiting the Golden Knights' chances towards Connor Hellebuck. And when there were a few interesting chances, Helle did what Helle does, and he was able to hold the fort down uh, for all but one shot on the night. What was your initial impression once Adam Lowry iced the game with the empty netter there, Tyson? What stood out to you about how the Winnipeg Jets tamed the top-seeded Golden Knights to take a 1-0 series lead?
1: Well, the, the first thing that popped into my mind was that this this could be a short series if this if it stays the same way. Like they you watched a lot of like a lot of the the big name players for the for the Vegas Golden Knights. They just struggled mightily, especially well, yeah. Jack Eichel. I, what I was
0: gonna say was uh, there there might be I don't know if anybody does the melt card anymore. It's kind of more of an old school thing, but. Like there might be a Dateline episode coming out soon this weekend. Where is Jack Eichel? Can we find Jack Eichel? hundred percent. Oh
1: and it's we we talked so much about Mark Scheifele this season, and and the lack of intensity sometimes in games. Mark Scheifele, I thought brought that intensity in this playoff game. Jack Eichel was nowhere to be seen. Jack Eichel looked terrible. Mark Stone looked like his back is absolutely destroyed and he can't move out there. Like, I feel bad for Mark Stone because he's been such a such a different player to watch compared to, like, some of the other star players that we've seen come into the league. But, man, like, it's just... The Jets just gave it to them, right? Like, it's just... And one of the big concerns, too, was that we were talking about the Vegas forecheck and the defense sometimes having struggles on getting pucks out when there's, when there's a sustained pressure in their zone. But there was no problems at all. Like, it was just almost as close to a perfect playoff game as you can get. And there, and there was times during the second period and third, I I thought, especially where it wasn't, there wasn't this, I'm going to use the word urgency. Uh, There wasn't this urgency to kind of control the puck in the offensive zone, but making the smart play and not try and overextend your shifts and, and potentially get yourself caught in bad situations where a line is tired and the pucks coming the other way with the Vegas golden Knights going into the ozone. zone. I think the Jets just played a perfect playoff game tonight. Honestly, that's really all, all you can say is that the Jets really kind of put the naysayers to rest here, and that then they show that no, we're going to be in this playoff series, and we're going to make life super tough for the Vegas Golden Knights.
0: Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't want to use the p word too often, but I think holding the top seed team in the West to under twenty shots on home ice—if if that's not perfect, it's it's pretty damn close to that. I mean realistically I got to say there was like three or four shifts that Vegas took it to Winnipeg through the whole game like there 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 wasn't there wasn't really a whole lot from the Golden Knights side of things to be super jacked up about and and that I mean my my initial takeaway from the game Tyson was it was pretty remarkable how everything the Jets needed to go right to win this series Happened to a T and everything that needed to go wrong for Vegas to lose this series took place in a major way. It was like this perfect storm of the Jets came to play with their A game, and I thought Vegas was flat and awful. I mean, it might be a toss-up. Who who had the worst game? Vegas or Toronto. I mean, probably still the Leafs, but but I, I was I was almost not to take anything away from the Jets, I was almost taken aback by hey Vegas. Like you you guys know the playoffs started, right? Like you, you wanna you wanna show up anytime soon? Did you did you get your time zones mixed up? Like you thought it was, you, you thought it was on the East Coast, and now you're out there on the wet. Like I, I was pretty, I was pretty disappointed in terms of what Vegas brought to the table in terms of like hoping for a competitive game. But then you know, to Winnipeg's credit, they took full advantage of it and they completely choked out the Golden Knights. And, and to me, the game was won, not in the offensive zone for the Winnipeg Jets. A little bit in the defensive side of things, you know, and I, I thought there was there was that shift or two in the first period where the forecheck really got to Winnipeg. But other than that, it was pretty much non-existent. But to me, the Winnipeg Jets won this game by absolutely throttling Vegas in the neutral zone. I mean, this was a rigged bonus special with how much this team dominated the middle of the ice. I mean, Vegas just had nowhere to go. Uh, and and really, you know, it was either, hey, try to work it through two or three bodies if you want a clean zone entry. That didn't happen at all for the Golden Knights all game long. And then it was, all right, you can't do that. Dump the puck in and try to beat us to it. And and Vegas, their heavily vaunted forecheck going into this series was just non-existent in this one. And the Jets didn't have to spend a whole lot of time in their own zone. And they didn't really face a whole lot of threat from the Golden Knights in their half of the ice. I, I It really was and it's not even an individual performance i thought it was just a flawless team performance in this one where the jets were a cohesive well-oiled five-man unit and they were extremely difficult to break down they outnumbered the golden knights pretty much all over the ice and and if, if, if it keeps playing like that tyson you don't want to get too ahead of yourself and you said it there which i liked it but like they keep this going. It, it it might not go to seven games, right? Like it this this might this this might look pretty juicy for one of it. It's tough not to get too excited here because that was the team that was in first place in the first half of the season that we saw wearing blue and white in this one. And now you only need to string it together for a handful of more games against Vegas, as opposed to, you know, 30, 40, 50 regular season ones here. Um that 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 is that is this team at its peak right there, and they absolutely earned every single bit
1: of that win in game one. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, dominating the neutral zone. I thought a really good thing the Jets did as well is when Vegas was trying to dump the puck in, there was bodies kind of disrupting the the, the F one's momentum coming into the zone. Right, like these guys weren't coming in with the full head of steam onto these deep onto the defense of the Winnipeg Jets, and I think that's a, that's going to be a massive help in this series. And also you. You didn't. You said uh, not to point out an individual performance. I'm going to say Pierre-Luc Dubois was the best player on the ice there. Oh well, we'll yeah, we'll get to the individuals. Uh, r- <laughs> yeah, r- right here. But uh, go ahead. But yeah, like just the the mix of physicality and playmaking abilities and driving the net that we've seen from Pierre-Luc Dubois in so many games before this. Like it's just this is the guy who can be a playoff force, where he a guy who's built for the playoffs, and even like like there's just. The amount of times that he filed found Kyle Connor, like he could have had a couple more points in this one. Connor it, should have had a hat trick. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the, also, the other thing I loved about Dubois' game was the ability to rein in your emotions and not let, not let the the heat of the game kind of, kind of lose your focus a bit. And I thought he was stayed dialed in throughout the whole game. He was all, like I said, he was all over the forecheck. He was bodying guys, and he was setting up his own opportunities to make plays by with his physical play. And I think that's something to watch as we go through this series because I think that Pierre-Luc Dubois 100% has the ability to completely take over games and win games by himself. And so you're, this is the kind of performance that the Jets are going to need from Pierre-Luc Dubois to continue this success.
0: Yeah, and that that's where I was going to get to, Tyson, was just highlighting some of the individual performance from a extremely, extremely strong team effort by the club. And you're right, it it starts and ends with number 80. He was and and it's funny too because there was that it might have i think it might have been the second shift of the game for him but he got the puck with a little bit of speed on the outside and it was just a few strides power move dip the shoulder right to the front there and he almost beats berçoise for an early one for winnipeg and right after that i was like this uh, he's gonna be a handful this this is gonna be a, a pretty impactful performance from him and you're right like that that was the guy that you know, announce his presence a few years ago with Columbus in in that bubble series against Toronto and then Tampa Bay. Like That that is every bit. I mean, it's a general manager's wet dream. Is is what it is to have a six foot three centerman that can skate like the wind, can bulldoze over people, and then absolutely unleash an eighty eight mile an hour wrister. That like that, the, the, like I can't. I the, like the shot. Like it was like is the is the radar thing on right? Is this thing going right? Eighty eight. Like that was unbelievable. And I, I just I thought he was the dominant force. Everybody had hoped he could be. And I mean that you get that guy for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean he's gonna make himself a buttload of money. And the Jets might find themselves going a lot deeper than a lot of us expected. He was I, – I don't even know if he was all that close, to be honest, Tyson. I thought he was by far the best player on the ice for both teams in this one. And, yeah, I'm sure Bruce Cassidy might pull number nine on his side, um, you know, behind a closed door heading into the next game and say, you know what, how about uh, how about a little Dubois on your game, Jack? Like, can can you give us a little bit of that if that's okay? Maybe show up for a couple of shifts. Um that yeah the 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 loaded up top line it's performed once again and I like like we said Kyle Connor not that he played bad he probably should have had a hat trick uh, if he if he's if he's a little sharper he ends up with three goals and I thought and you again said a great word there I thought Mark Shifley was extremely engaged really physical doing the dirty work but still making some of his elite level offensive plays Right at the blue line, headed into the offensive zone with speed. He, I mean, that, that whole line was really, really strong. The second line again just kind of continues to defy logic, <laughs> you know. The, the, especially with Nick Ehlers on in the lineup there. You know, you wondered if losing that amount of, of speed and, and game breaking ability would damper how hot they've been. And the answer is no, they just kept right on ticking. They picked up a goal on the night, albeit a bit of a weak one against Bursois. And then Adam Lowry continues to do the Adam Lowry things. And it it was interesting, again, to see that, you know, Lowry's going to be matched up against the Eichel line for the majority of this series, it looks like. And right away, Bruce Cassidy went to switching up his lines and loading up the top line with Eichel, Stone, and Stevenson. So that's something to keep an eye on for game two. Um, But all all three of those top lines for the Jets performed extremely well. And then one other guy that I want to mention, who I thought, especially early on, looked really sharp and then it just continued and continued and continued and continued. I thought Dylan Sandberg had his best game as a Winnipeg Jet. He, he was just out of this world. I mean, he looked like he looked like a stud. You know, I I was watching Petrangelo at the other end of the ice, and it's like he, he like he looks a little slow out there. Like he wasn't moving all that great. Sandberg looked like vintage Petrangelo at times. Like he was just picking the puck up with confidence, whipping passes all over the place, physical, fast. I mean, man, if he plays like that, he, he might find himself on the second pair by the time this series is over. I thought he was absolutely outstanding as well.
1: Yeah, and and just to add the defensive plays too. Like there was, I forget, I forget exactly which Golden Knight it was that was coming in, but that that pl- that diving stick check that he made. Who knows what happens if, if that shot gets through? Like if there's not, if that shot's not obstructed. And that's, that could be a huge turning point in the game right there. It's those little things that when you play off games and those little things that when you play off series too, and just to see him kind of up his play as we get into the playoffs, like he, I feel like he was jumping more into the offensive play too, more than he ever had in the regular season. Like he, you can kind of tell, like you mentioned, he just kind of felt that he kind of had it going in this one. And it, yeah, like Dylan Sandberg, we, you and me have both been on the Dylan Sandberg train for a while now and it's glad we're both happy to see that he's actually finally getting those minutes to go with the the quality play that he's been bringing and it's just just been awesome and and one other player i want to mention too, Morgan Perrin i mean you get that just an absolute knife cut to your forehead right it's like yeah that's that's bad yeah that's, I, I i don't want that yeah and and just for him to come back with the cage on and 75 plus stitches and i saw I believe it was Dreger that cheated yeah. out that they lost count yeah it might not even it might be more than 75 and that's just an insane thing to think about that he goes and he was taking some pretty big bumps like in the third period there was that there was a collision behind the net with uh with one of the de- biggest defensemen I was just like oh like that's yeah, <laughs> that no big deal. feel good. that can't <laughs> feel good and so just just to have kind of a guy like like Baron come in and almost that's it's the way that this teams kind of gelling again like we talked about it early in the season how the vibes were high and everyone kind of see kind of seemed to be on the same page and it seems like like that that feel and that vibe that we felt at the beginning of the season is starting to creep into the playoffs here and if the Jets are playing like they did in November and December there's not a team in the NHL that they can't compete with so I I'm, I'm ecstatic looking forward to the rest of the series I mean that's that's also the beauty of NHL playoffs is that You could play a perfect game in game one and game two, all bets are off, right? Like, it's anything can happen in in hockey. So, I'm but the way things are going, you got to feel really good about going in game two. Yeah.
0: I mean, to your point, the Jets did beat Vegas in game one the last time these two teams met in the postseason. And, um, I mean, we don't have to talk about what happened there. Uh, so yeah, like it's still setting up to i would assume be a long series even though everybody's jacked up about the dominant performance there and you're right we have to talk about morgan Barron. And, and and to me there were pros and cons to to what happened to him um the pro is that he's now absolutely a playoff legend and an absolute beauty for for, for battling through that i also like like was somebody counting the stitches as they went in and then he's like <laughs> yeah, i'm dead like that, that was always that was kind of weird to me like Just say it was, like, over 50. Like,
1: who who cares
0: at that point? Um, The con for him is just going to be now that he'll be on every internet meme comparing the toughness of NHL players to NBA players (laughs) after some guy in the NBA sits out with a cramp, uh, you know, game three tomorrow or something like that. So uh, uh, you might not want to check social media or anything like that. It might get a little toxic. But, um, I mean, yeah, Morgan Barron's been great all year long. And... Oh man, I mean that—that that was really close to being a complete disaster, right? Like, I mean, it looked like it was an inch or two away from his eye. Oh, I mean, just yeah, pretty, pretty, um, pretty typical though. Like what you would imagine for a guy like that to come back in and not only play but contribute, makes a big play on the penalty kill as well. Um, yeah, it just it, it, every everything, even the even the negative stuff worked out pretty well for the Jets in this one. Um, and yeah, like to your point as well, Tyson. The, the camaraderie and, and the team tightness and all that. I mean, I, I don't think we have to look much further than the Minnesota game where that team came together um, basically really in, in, in that entire third period there. You wondered if that could be a bit of a starting point, a bit of a launching pad. And so far, so good. You know, early returns, but they've all been positive for the team here. And um, I mean, look, heading into game two, there's not going to be much changes there's not going to be any changes on, on the Winnipeg Jets side of things. You know, although the potential return of Nikolai Ehlers does, you know, if, if he does come back in, obviously that's going to be a change, but one for the positive. I mean, I would imagine he goes back on line two. Is, is that is that the move you think that you just, you know, what, what the lineup was supposed to be
1: heading into game one is what the lineup is for game two? Or do you do you tinker with a team that did so well? I I would definitely put Nino back on the third line with Adam Lowry, but I I wouldn't be opposed to keeping Morgan Barron up there on that third line and and moving Mason Appleton down to the fourth. I know Lowry and Appleton have kind of been staples together throughout the season and even going into season's past, but I just really love the game of Morgan Barron, like, just the last couple of months even. And and you add in Nino Niederreiter and that's three really big guys that are going to throw their weight around and get into the dirty areas, and those to me, those are the kind of lines that can win you playoff series and win you playoff games. And I, I, I just love the idea of having those three big bodies out there and kind of being the ultimate throwback checking line that we've seen from, like, the 90s and early 2000s, right? Like, just – I I do love to see the, kind of the – paying, like, an homage to some – to, to earlier teams and just seeing kind of that – you don't always have to have – a third line where all the guys are, you know, five, 10 centered skilled guys. Like there's still a place in the game for these kind of these high level grinders. You could say, I don't know it's not the perfect term for all three of those guys, but you the, kind of like the same boat where you always hear about when a team wins the Stanley cup, that there's these guys on the team where it's not the star players that, that kind of push the team over the finish line, right? It's those, it's those extra support goals and those extra support shifts that 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 teams can generate that and i feel like that line could really really cause a lot of matchup problems for teams i think they can take on the top line and that just gives the first and second lines a little bit more of an easier time so i think that i think putting baron niederreiter and larry has the potential to be a really really effective line for the jets
0: yeah i mean look if if your top line's going and your third line's going you're probably not going to lose any hockey games (laughs) so we we've seen that over the past little while and yeah i mean Look, if Lowry's potting two night in, night out, it's, it's going to be a short series. We're going to have some fun with it. Uh, but I, I do imagine that Nikki, if he is good to go, slots in on that second line, and then Nino drops down to line three. Um, I mean, it will be intriguing to see how much ice time Ehlers gets, though. Like it, it it was bizarre that he didn't play at all. Like It was Saturday, I think, that he said he was 100% ready to go. And he's no uh, in a like in a contact jersey at practice. Line rushes, doing everything. Sunday okay. Monday either says okay. Bonus meh. And then to not even taking warmups. So I like, I, I do wonder what the injury because they just you know it was kind of like upper body. It seemed like either head or neck maybe. Like you wonder if there was whiplash and his neck's a bit sore. Like do you maybe? I, ease him in on the fourth line a
1: little bit. Like, I I, 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 don't know. It's tough to say without knowing what's actually bothering him. I, I had seen that there was, yeah, like there was people were speculating like a shoulder injury. I, I immediately I thought sure. about the, I, I immediately thought about the hernia, and I just like the way that hit happened, and it was just so jolting, right? Like, I just, I wonder, and him coming back pretty quickly from a, from a surgery like that. I, you got to think, is is that kind of reaggravated? Maybe. I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I guess the good thing is there's not an urgent need to rush him back. So if he's at 60% or something like that right now, but you can get him to 80 by game three, like, you know, not that game two is a throwaway, but, you know, you're playing with house money at that point in Vegas and you've already hit black four times. Why not let it roll one more time? You know what I mean? Like that? Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be intriguing to see how they handle that. But again, it's tough to say without knowing the specifics of of, of what he's going through there. Um, one thing I want to touch on quickly from Winnipeg's side uh, before we move a little bit over to what Vegas might be up to for Game 2. And I mentioned this right at the top here, how everything that the Jets needed to go right went right in that game. My kind of X factor in picking the Jets to win this series was the special teams. Um Check, check, check. That went pretty well. Uh, the penalty kill did its thing. The power play, it, I mean, it generated chances throughout, and, and it looked really dangerous. So you have Lowry scored with like eight seconds left, which is awesome. But I thought the power play, even without Ealers on it, looked really strong. But the penalty kill was what really did the job for the Jets in this one. It and It had Vegas sounded like Philadelphia there, where it was just boo birds galore. The Golden Knights are in big time trouble if their power play is going to be as toothless as it was in game one.
1: Yeah. And and 100% credit to the Jets for their penalty kill. Vegas's power play was freaking awful. It was terrible. That was, it was one of the worst I've ever seen in a playoff. Like, just like no preparation. They just got together a couple days ago and started maybe kind of work. Like, it was insane the amount of time. Like, that chat, I forget which power play it was, but it was the, I think it was, think it, think it was the,
0: the like. Are you talking about the the too many men? Like later in the game when they had a chance right. to make it,
1: they they couldn't even they couldn't even attempt an outside shot. It, it was absurd. Like and and there's just no danger. It was so yeah. slow. And then earlier in the earlier in the period too, there was one where Stevenson was walking along the half wall and he just stood there. He just stood there, and the Jets were like, okay like you're just gonna stand on the half wall and not do anything like he killed off like 15-20 seconds on his own and i watching that game all i could think about was that this team's first in the conference <laughs> like, like i know it's the only game only game one and you know you, you don't want to overreact but it's just it's kind of hard not to i know it, i know what you mean it, because
0: it, it, they were so ineffective Right. And again, the, the Jets played, like, the Jets were great, and it's just, but, like, it was the combo of the Jets being great and Vegas just looking horrendous. They, like, there was just, there was really nothing from uh, any line. Like, I don't, I, I would, it was really just the one shift, and then, not even the shift, it was just Carlson finding a pocket of space there when, you know, Wheeler, you know, should have taken him in the neutral zone there, but passed him off to Dylan, who was, you know covering his guy assuming there was going to be a bit of a you know three on three rush there and it was just the one play that you know vegas is only major 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 chance at the night but other than that there was basically nothing and it's why too you know for those that think this might be a shorter series why there should be a an added level of confidence heading into game two now that all the pressure's on vegas to win this next one you wonder if the sticks start getting gripped a little tighter there and you know for some like for Toronto for example there's going to be that narrative around them but there's enough skill up and down that lineup that like if if those guys get chances they're probably going to bury them that's not the case in Vegas though and then when you, when you so when you have the combination of you're playing a little bit tighter but really you only have Two, maybe three guys that have high-end finishing ability against one of the best goalies in the league. Like you wonder how negative things can turn if Vegas zero goals, just one goal through two periods there, and they're struggling to get a whole lot towards Connor Hellebuck. You know, I, I that's been the problem, and I mentioned it in our in our preview. That's been the problem for the Golden Knights in playoffs past is their ability to finish some of the chances that they get. I wonder if we're going to see a continuation of that headed into game two here, or do the golden Knights find a way to turn things around in their favor? That remains to be seen, but it was a big time factor in this one where there was just really no hope that they could, they could find a way to get to three, let
1: alone find a way to get to two. Yeah. And and we've seen like sometimes with Butch Cassidy teams, right? Like there, there does seem, I, i I'm, kind of struggling to find the right word here, but there seems to be at times where a Butch Cassidy led teams kind of, they almost seem to get down on themselves. You know, like, it seems like they take negative impacts in a game harder than some other teams, but that when, when they are riding the, those highs, they're, they're firing on all cylinders, right? Like they're a very up and down team where, but the lows are out there. You're low. You're in a lot of, they're in a lot of trouble when the highs are, you're higher, unstoppable. And yeah. the, there's a lot of things with this Vegas team where, I I mean they they you mentioned before in, in our last episode about which team goes to the line blend line blender first, and it was Vegas almost almost, <laughs> almost immediately, immediately. Yeah. and but even with those new look lines, like they just couldn't get anything going. And if you're you're stacking your top line with Stevenson, Eichel, Stone, and they're not generating anything, like that's gonna cause some serious serious concerns and. I mean, there's another point I, I w- would like to bring up with the night, with the knights, but I think that's gonna come just in a couple minutes here, so I won't I, I won't jump the gun here. But yeah, like I I if I'm a Vegas Golden Knights fan, I kind of don't know where you go. Like I don't know what the what the point of emphasis is, other than guys, it's the playoffs. <laughs> you know, like it's oh. playoff time. Let's let's wake up here. Like I, it's gonna be super interesting to see how the how the knights respond in game two. Yeah, maybe they need a little more sundance. What's the <laughs> um, what's the 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 head coach's name?
0: But oh. <laughs> I, I wanted
1: I to notice that.
0: I wanted to see how long you were gonna go with that. <laughs> Bruce Cassidy sorry. That would, that would be awesome. That would be he should change his name to Butch. That'd be way better. Yeah, I mean yeah. The, <laughs> I mean, Paul Newman knows his way around a uh, hockey rig, so maybe, maybe he should turn into Bush Cassidy for Game Two. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's, you, you wonder where that scoring spark is going to come from the Vegas side of things, outside of that top line that they put together now. Because Phil the Thrill, oh, it was tough to what he looks cooked. Like he oh, can, yeah. he's just, he can't even move out there anymore. And the Misfits line. They just—they haven't recaptured the magic that they had that that initial season. So yeah, like it's—you do wonder if the Jets can pop a couple early in Game Two. Does does all of a sudden we start to see a, a Vegas team that sits atop the Western Conference struggle to find a way to get much traction going offensively? We'll have to see uh, what takes place here in a couple of nights. Um, one other note we should mention quickly too, Tyson: potential changes for Game Two. Do we see Laurent Bessois between the pipes again? I, I I
1: could see I could see Butch. I mean, I', I was joking there. No, no, got no. It. Keep keep. With it. <laughs> I'm keep gonna doing. call. I'm calling him Butch the rest of the series. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Like I, I just I see him making a change quick because there was he didn't play terrible per se. That third goal was was kind of that's one you definitely like to have. The, the, that. the third
0: the third goal knocked him out for game two. Yeah. You yeah, I got, like that. that's it's a backbreaker. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I don't think Vegas would have scored. <laughs> they just didn't look like they were capable of scoring two. But it is, it's a different feel to the game, two-one Step as bounce. opposed to three-one. Yeah, your one bounce, it it, 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 it changes the complexion of the game entirely. There, so I, I think we see Jonathan Quick in that for game two for sure. Um, you know, don't know what the problem with Logan Thompson is injury wise, but. I don't think there will be any hesitation here. Quick gets the start in game two. We see Eichel Stevenson and stone together and they're probably going to hope that loading up their top line has worked as well for them as it has for the Winnipeg Jets so far. I don't, I don't know what other options they they really have. I, I think, you know, that line was so great for them early in the year, put them together and hope some magic happens that way. And, see if they can figure out a way to uh bring it big time in terms of a much improved effort in game 2. But I would say as well you know I think it is important to keep in mind that this might have been one of Vegas's worst games of the season, you know what I mean? Like I think I think we are going to see a much better Golden Knights squad for game 2 here. The fortunate part for the Jets of course is you lose, you got the split. No big deal. And it's wide-out madness over the weekend, right? Like this is the exact spot you want to be in if you're the Winnipeg Jets right now and it sets up uh yeah it sets up pretty juicy heading into a Thursday night matchup for the Jets to potentially take a 2-0 series lead back to the peg um it's pretty late here uh, i'm not not a fan of these uh late starts at all tyson i mean you even get out of bed so I, I appreciate you at least waking up for this one so that was nice <laughs> um and it might be hard to end this on a higher note and in a more positive way than talking about a dominant Jets 5-1 win. But just quickly here, taking a look around the rest of the NHL.
1: They're dead. They're dead. dead.
0: <laughs> They're so dead. They're so dead. There is the, the And that is exactly why I jumped ship so early in the season, and they sucked me right back in, those little buggers. But there's no – I and again, just one game. There's no way the Maple Leafs come back from that, right? like there's no
1: way and and plus you got to think bondin's getting at least a game there right like he's at least a game yeah so yeah, like toronto uh, and I, like i don't even really hate them but i just enjoy the misery no this like... is this is like a shakespearean <laughs> tragedy
0: like yeah. it like it's it's just you can't you can't look away it's captivating like, there's like the the statistical improbabilities of doing what they do year and year out. It's like it's unfathomable. Yet they find new ways to torture their fan base. Like I, you almost wonder, like is is having a team that good that fails in round one each year? Like, is that better than being a Flyers fan where there's just no hope whatsoever? You know what I mean? Like, it's oh yeah, it, no. it's the hope where
1: you're like. This is it? That, that makes it so much more painful than just being awful all the time. Oh, hundred percent. That's because you look on paper, they should they should win around every couple of years, right? It's like that's just that's just the thing. it's not even it's not even getting past the second round. You can't get past the first round. And it's the same team. And like you I think if you went through these past couple of playoff series with the Lightning year by year, I think the Lightning's roster slowly starts to decline a little bit in, in overall not a quality. little bit a lot right the, in quality and the Leafs roster increases <laughs> in quality and it just doesn't change. It's, well, well
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what drives me, what would drive me nuts if I was a fan of the team, is like you, you all year long you've built yourself up for this moment, like you know what's coming, you know the opponent, you know what's at stake, and you don't show up for ten minutes. Like, how does that happen? How how is that possible? Like, all of your legacies are on the line. It would be one thing if it was like bad bounce here, bad bounce there. They just, it it took them almost a period to even be like, oh, maybe we should up the intensity. Like, it's just, it it really is shocking. And you, you wonder if you're Kyle Dubas at this point, Tyson, do you not just resign and go run the team like the philadelphia flyers where you don't have this kind of bet ba- i don't know you you wonder about things like that there is an opening in certain franchises and maybe it's best for him just to just to take whatever pride he's got left and there's a president
1: of hockey ops job for you in philadelphia if you want to take it kyle just just throwing it out there i don't know but if they, if they lose something substantial has to happen like yeah. whether it's whether it's Dubis or I, but I don't even know if it's not Dubis. What do you do? Like, do you think Keefe survives if they don't no, make it out no, of the no, first no, round no, again? No, like, no. I and mean, Keith Keith was a
0: it, that was amateur hour by by Sheldon Keefe that entire game. Like, just galaxy brain moves, trying to overthink everything. And then even like the, I mean, it was bizarre that that goal on the power play there on the Bunting major that like that puck didn't go in for one. like it it wasn't i feel like everyone just kind of like moved past like the announcer like that didn't go in but then like no time, the puck was never in so why is this even a goal to begin with but then he does the goalie interference challenge there and the announcers are talking like well of course you got to challenge it here you know you're you don't want to get down three goal that was just pure bush league by him there because guess what three goals in a period isn't insurmountable you just scored two in quick succession to make a three nothing lead three two the Leafs can score in bunches you have a chance down three but throwing a a idiotic hail mary there knowing that a you know full two minutes of five on three is going to bury you like that it was just it was typical of the of that team though right where it's when the stakes are high and you need to make the right decisions and you need to be at your best you look frazzled and completely out of it, even though your talent level should say that you're above this, but they're clearly not. And yeah, I'll, I'll jump ship again. That's, that's the one series. Well, I can't even say it's the one series I want to do over on because I picked Florida, like a complete bozo (laughs) and uh, Boston without half their team has diarrhea and they still kick the crap out of the Panthers. (laughs) So it's like, well, I don't even know which one's a worse pick there between those two. Um, but I mean a pretty bizarre start to the, the first round, Tyson, where the road teams go six and two, including Seattle just finished beating Colorado on home ice. The defending champs are already in a hole. Say I said they're gonna give them problems. This I was is- you know what I was gonna say. T- I was gonna say Seattle's giving me Minnesota Wild vibes when the Wild played the avalanche in like oh three or something. Like there and that was like the Colorado with Waugh. It was Patrick Waugh's final playoff series, and Minnesota took them down in seven games, and they were kind of like Seattle where it's just you know play by committee there and I was gonna say that, but I chickened out um I still believe Colorado finds a way to turn it around. I still think Edmonton turns it around as well um but in terms of teams that that blew it big time in the uh, in the first games of their series i I think you have to be, especially like teams that drop them on home ice, the most concerned about Vegas and Toronto right now. I, I don't know if it's all that close between the other teams that lost. Although I think New Jersey looks kind of done with uh, how well the Rangers yeah, the, showed up in that one. But that, that that's
1: a, almost a different set of circumstances. That was a bad pick by me in hindsight. <laughs> like that's, it, yeah, that's okay. They perfect. they they look like they they just can't handle. They they're not ready for like you. You had the perfect point. This is their this is their series series where they. They get used to the intensity and speed of playoff hockey. They're just not there. They're not used to it. They're just not there yet. And I think it's could be, it could be for the, it's going to be better for that team as a whole, but they're in for a rude awakening in these next couple of games. I
0: picked the best team in regular season history to lose to Alex Lyon. <laughs> it's just like stupid. You're like, you're <laughs> just an idiot. Oh, well. We can joke about it. it. It's all it's all fun and games because the Winnipeg Jets found a way to get it done. I said they would. Tyson said they wouldn't. So, screw you. I'm right. I said, I said seven. <laughs>
1: if you say seven, you're pretty much saying fifty fifty. Yeah, <laughs> seven
0: is the coward's pick. That's a coward pick. You should, we should we should like at least when I'm going wrong, like, I was like Leafs at five, like an idiot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think if you pick somebody in seven, you you gotta like throw in a bonus prediction in that series. So like make it look like you know what you're talking about. Um, we'll we'll see. We'll see if Jets nights go seven or if uh, game one was any example. Maybe it'd be a little quicker than uh, pretty much everybody in the hockey world anticipated. Either way, things are going good heading into game two on Thursday night. And that's where we'll leave this episode here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Once again, the skates and plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki joining us once again. We'll get back at it. Well, we'll record it late Thursday night. It'll be out for you guys on Friday morning, breaking down game two. Jets, Golden Knights. Can Winnipeg take a 2-0 series lead back to Winnipeg? We'll have an episode out for you guys, recapping all of the action on that one. Until then, though, enjoy the next couple of days. Stay safe and have a great rest of your week, everybody. Peace.